All right, welcome everybody. So glad that you are here joining us online at, at Skyline Church here today. My name is Jeff Nicoletti. I'm the lead pastor here. So glad that you're here. Listen, wherever you are watching from today, check in, say hi. Our online hosts are there available for you, talk with you. Uh, if you need prayer, they'll be there praying for you. Listen, if you're new, if it's your first time ever checking out an online experience here with us, we're so glad, we're honored that you're here. There's a little button that you can click that says new here. We'd love to connect with you, send you a little gift just for being here with us today. And parents, don't forget, we've got, uh, we've got special kids online experiences available for, for your kids as well. So you can jump over to skylinechurch.cc. There's a button there that says Sky Kids Online. You can click on there. We've got resources for you and for your kids. All right, we're going to jump right in, get something to write on, something to write with, get your Bible out, get the Bible app, whatever you need to do to follow along. But before we do anything, I want you to look at whoever you are with today, whoever you are next to, look at them and say, you must be important. Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. Say it again to them. Say, you must be important. You know, and I was wondering if, could it be that who and what we really think is important, Jesus doesn't necessarily think is important. Like, like, like culture-wise, the, the things that we value. And I was thinking, you know, I, I need Jesus to show me what's important. Jesus, what's important from your perspective? What's important for, for your kingdom? Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to uh, get to the end of my life and find out that I've, I've wasted it on things that were really important to me only to find out that they really weren't as important as I thought that they were. So I'm just praying more and more in this moment, Jesus, show me what's important, especially in this season, in this, in this unexpected and, and uncertain uh, COVID uh, stay-at-home season that we all find ourselves in. What, Jesus, what's most important for me as a follower of you? Uh, what's most important as a husband, as, as a father? What's, what's most important as a pastor? What's most important for, for your church? What should your church be doing? And, and that's the reason why we've been doing, and, and maybe you've heard about this, these, these Thursday night food truck buyouts because uh, the, the, the church isn't really doing its job. If, if the church is not leaving a tangible mark on the city that we're in, then it's almost as if we weren't there. And so as this this season hit, our, our staff and our team and our leaders said, hey, how can we make a difference? What can we do? And so we, we decided, hey, let's buy out some food trucks and, and give food away and give meals away. And church, listen to me, what I want to tell you is this, is because of your, your faithful, consistent, and generous giving, we've been feeding hundreds of people on Thursday evenings in our parking lot, outside of our building, because of what you have been doing. God's church is strong. And so listen, I need to know what's important. Not just what's urgent, but what's important. More and more, we need Jesus to show us, especially now, what is important. Because I know that I'm always supposed to be seeking his kingdom first. I, if I'm honest, though, I just don't always know what exactly that looks like. Because like many of you, I occupy more than one role in his kingdom. On one level, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor who needs to prepare a message 
for our church. But on another level, I'm a dad whose youngest son wants me to be there holding him as he's pretending to be a baby sloth in the tree in our front yard. And, and I know that some of y'all think that, that you're more important than me holding my youngest son in the tree as he's wanting to be a baby sloth. But the, the truth of the matter is this. If I drop dead, there'll be somebody else in this place preaching to you next week. But he's only got one dad. That, that, that's just true. Uh, like some of the things that I thought were really important in my 20s are not so important now. Like, Jesus, show me what's important. What was important in one season of life might not be so important, might not need the same priority or the same urgency in another season. So I need to be led, Jesus, by your spirit to know what's important in this moment, in this season What's the priority? So in, in Mark's gospel today, we're getting ready to study briefly a story that Mark thought was important enough to include so that we could get a full picture of Jesus, or as we've been getting to know him, fierce Jesus. And honestly, it's been shocking some of the priorities that Jesus had and how different those priorities might actually be than what we would have expected, like when we see Jesus uh, stopping to heal a woman in Mark chapter 5, when he was on his way to go heal a little girl, we're shocked and in some ways challenged because the, the girl that he was going to heal was the daughter of somebody very important. His name is Jairus. He's a, he's a synagogue leader, and, and the woman who came up behind Jesus in the crowd, it, 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 she wasn't even given a name. Uh, nobody really cared about women like that in that culture. So he stops en route to a miracle that's more important and honestly more urgent because this little girl only has hours to live. And in fact, as he stops to heal this unimportant woman, the important girl dies. And, but Jesus isn't concerned about this because he is healer, yes, but he's also resurrection. And, and his priority in the moment is to give people a deeper understanding of who he is. And the only way for him to reveal the, the power of his presence is to upset their priorities and to stop for something that they thought was less important. And so now he shows up on the scene that was more important, and this little girl is already dead. But it provides an opportunity for him to do something that he couldn't have done if he had acted according to their priorities. Sometimes Jesus will upset your priorities to show you his power in a new way. And so if Jesus has been doing some unusual things, if it, if it seems like you can't get Jesus to, to jump on board with your agenda, then maybe he's trying to change your priorities a little bit. Maybe what was important to you, he's trying to show you shouldn't be as important. He's trying to show you an order to all of it. That's how you know when the presence of Jesus is increasing, it'll shift your priorities. Go, listen to me, goosebumps are not the way to tell that you're in the presence of Jesus. Some of y'all get goosebumps goosebumps watching your favorite movies but, but goosebumps and feelings don't, don't prove his presence what proves the presence of Jesus in my life is when my priorities begin to align with his and this is going to require a collision because cultural priorities are very different so let's jump in Mark chapter 5 a story that Mark thought was so important to can you imagine having to write one of the gospel accounts and you've got to decide, what, what were the most important teachings of Jesus that I could put in Mark chapter 4? And like, what stories are you going to leave out? 
Because it's not like you can say, well, you know what, honestly, it really wasn't that good when he healed that blind man the other day. Like, like, what's going to make it on the cutting room floor? How are you going to edit it? Like, he opened so many deaf ears that you're just going to have to pick and choose what to include. Stuff, stuff that Jesus did on his way to appointments would be the greatest accomplishment of any of our lives. And so now, now Mark has to decide which are the most important stories. And so because of that, Mark has got to choose a theme. And he's got to get this theme across because Matthew, who's writing a gospel, has a theme. And so does Luke. And so does John. And so Mark decides that his theme is going to be to show the authority of Jesus, his authority. And, and authority is illustrated, not explained. Uh, can, I, can I say something about that really quick? People who need to always tell you that they're in charge aren't really in charge. Because when you really have authority and you really have power, you don't have to keep saying it. And you don't have to shout. And so what we're going to read, I, I hope, will be a demonstration of Jesus' authority that none of us will soon forget. So we'll jump in. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Follow along. It says this. It says, they went, around, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chain apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, in class, that's called foreshadowing. Nobody was strong enough to subdue him. And by the way, this is where we need a fierce Jesus. I'm sorry, but, but sweetheart Jesus, uh, Mr. Rogers, Jesus can't help this man. Uh, cutie pie Jesus with his cliches can't help this man. Bumper sticker, ichthus fish on my car, uh, jewelry, jewelry around my neck, Jesus can't do anything. But you might come to a point in your life where you might lose sight of who you are and whose you are. And in that moment, you're not going to want a little puny Jesus who stands off to the side and waits for you to rub your hands together and get him out of the bottle on Christmas. Or no, in that moment, you're going to want a strong Savior with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. I'm talking about a fierce Jesus. Y'all got me fired up. You're not even in the room with me. Let's get back. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, this man would cry out and cut himself with stones. And verse 6 is so interesting. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance. Now, this is the first time this man's seen Jesus, but I don't think it's Jesus's first vision of this man. So it says, when he saw him from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. So Jesus, you'll remember, did his ministry in Capernaum. The, uh, this account is from the Gentile region called uh, the, the Gerasenes. Now listen, no one, no one knows for 100% certainty where that is. It's debated, but often where when we read that Jesus would go into the mountains and early in the morning and late at night and go pray. It was probably near and around this region. And so across the Sea of Galilee where Jesus has just traveled, the sound of this man 
day and night crying out. There's a good chance that as Jesus was up early praying or up late at night praying, maybe as this man was up late one night crying and Jesus was up late praying one night, maybe one morning after hearing this man across the sea crying out, Jesus said, hey, today is the day that I'm going to go see about this man and set him free. And could it be that, that Jesus has heard your cry? He's heard the, the secret things in your heart that you've never told anybody. And you're present online today watching because today's the day that Jesus came to see about you. you, you when you thought no one else was listening and you thought that you were all alone, could it be that he heard you? And so now this man sees Jesus and so it says he, he, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. By, by the way, um, probably your, your first genuine experience with Jesus when he really shows up with authority, when he really shows up with power, like in a real, not just in a church way, but in a real way, your first response to Jesus will probably be something like holy fear, reverence, awe. Because when real power shows up, there will probably be something inside of you that wants to resist that authority because it kind of goes against everything ingrained in us in humanity. And it's often going to cause us to reevaluate our priorities. And so in this man's case, he falls on his knees and he shouts, for Jesus, we pick it back up, for Jesus has said, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And so Jesus challenges the spirit inside of the man, and, and the spirit within the man resisted Jesus' challenge. Listen, because any time the enemy has occupied territory for a while, he's not going to let it go without a fight. And some of us wonder today why the addiction is so hard to break, why the ongoing deception that you're living is hard to break, why the anger is hard to let go of, why your ongoing infidelity is hard to break, because the enemy has been camped out in that area of your life for so long, and he's not going to go without a fight. But listen to me, if you're willing... If you're willing to fight, if you're willing to submit yourself to a fierce Jesus today, I'm telling you, there's a strength and there's a power available to you. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. And so Jesus asked this man a question, not, not for information, but for revelation. Because listen, Jesus already knows all things. He asked the man because the man might know who Jesus is, but this man doesn't even know who he is. And so he asked him. We pick it up. It says, Jesus asked him, what's your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. The demons begged Jesus, don't make us leave. And now it gets interesting. I promise. The Bible is a whole lot more interesting than you give it credit for. It says, a large herd of pigs was feeding in the nearby hill. Now we know we're not in Jewish territory anymore because there would have never been a large herd of pigs anywhere to be found. Jesus has left his home turf, and now he's in Gentile territory. There's a large herd of pigs standing by. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out, went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Some of y'all are worried right now in this moment that I'm going to somehow or another compare you uh, and, and draw a, a parallel between you and the pigs, and you're right. 
I'm going to. If you stick with me for a few minutes, I promise I'm going to find a connection for, for you here. Just, just stick with me. And it goes on to say, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. The people went out to go see what happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Okay, so whoever you're with right now, whoever you're sitting next to, I want you to look at them and say, hey, can I get your autograph? Can, can I get your autograph? You must be so important. You must be so important that Jesus would go through all of this trouble to keep an appointment with you. You know what? You know what? I, I messed up. I read, the, I read the wrong passage of Scripture. I do that every now and then. You're going to have to forgive me. Because well, I was supposed to start in Mark 4.35. But I started in, in Mark, Mark 5. Well, my, my fault. Because you can't really understand Mark 5 without reading Mark uh, 4, 35 through 41. So forgive me. Let, 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 let me go back. And so what you find out is that before Jesus gets here, he gets on the boat with his disciples to travel. And there's a storm that happens. Because, listen, there's a storm before the miracle. And Mark 4 will preach all on his own. Watch this. I'm going to prove it to you. Even though I can't see you in this one right now, how, how many of you are walking through a storm in your life right now? Or, or, or maybe somebody close to you. Is walking, walking through. It's easy to preach about storms because listen, you're either in one, coming out of one, or you got one on the horizon. Come on, uh, listen, y'all. Some of y'all could be good meteorologists and say, "Hey, there's, there's a storm on the horizon." So let me read this. Mark, Mark chapter four. We're going to read a little bit. It said that day. This is the same day. Listen to me. Mark didn't put chapters in his gospel. We did that later. So this is the same day. Mark chapter 4, 35, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And he doesn't tell them why. He doesn't say because I've got somebody I want to go see or because I've got an appointment over there. He doesn't tell them why, just the what. Can you obey Jesus when he says what without telling you why? Can you just get in and go even though you don't know where you're going? Because if you believe that he has all authority, you don't need all the details to be obedient. There are things that you will see in obedience that you won't see without it. Because you cannot cross over without conflict. Jesus is moving his mission forward. He's leaving Capernaum. Remember we said this early on, Kefir Nahum. It was the place of comfort. Jesus is now moving into enemy territory like some of y'all are doing in your life right now. You're beginning to move forward in the things of Jesus. You're changing your values. You started prioritizing the presence of God. When you make Jesus your priority, the, the, the enemy is going to send a storm because you never cross over without cut. Did you expect the devil would let you go without a fight? Did you think that you could leave Egypt without him sending every chariot after you to chase you? You've been serving the devil for 42 years, and now you've decided to stand up and be a godly man. You thought that that was going to change overnight. As a matter of fact, the storm that you're in right now, it might be raging not because you're Jonah running from God, but because you are crossing over into the calling that God has on your life. Sorry, I, I, I sometimes wonder if I should just calm down. But then I remember 
that when you're walking through a storm, you need someone in your life to say, hey, you're going to make it through this. <sighs> how, how, did, how could you possibly know that? Because listen, Jesus said we're going to the other side, so that means you can't die here. And listen, it's easy. It's so easy when, when preaching about a storm, and I've done this. I've told people you can make it through you can survive what you're going through, but I think there's a more important question than will you survive. I think the better question to ask is, why did you survive the storm? Have you, have you ever put thought to how many different things the enemy did that you don't even know about, that you're too young to recognize, that, would have st- that tried to stop you from having a relationship with Jesus? Remember, this is Mark chapter 4, not Mark chapter 5. The, the, the man hasn't even seen Jesus yet, and yet this storm is sent to the Sea of Galilee to keep Jesus from getting to him. Well, how do, Pastor, how do, you know the, how do you know the storm was sent? How do, you know the, how do you know that wasn't just climate change? Because it said that Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. Jesus doesn't rebuke natural elements. He rebukes demons. And so the same demonic oppression that was oppressing this man was in the sea trying to stop Jesus from getting to him. You, you were on the devil's hit list before you were born. There were things in your family line happening before you were born that were designed to keep you from being online in church at this very moment. You must be important because in spite of all of the storms that had your name on it, in spite of all the winds and the waves and the hurricane forces, in spite of every attack, look at you in church. Look at you online. Look at you taking notes. Look at you praising Jesus. Look at you believing that the best is still in front of you. Look how you made it. You must be important. You know how I know you're important? Not because of what you drive. Not because of the house that you live in, not because of your, your social media presence. I know you're important because of your storm. You see, the size of your storm tells me something about your importance. The size of your storm lets me know the importance of your assignment. The devil doesn't start a storm for someone he's not threatened by. And so if you're going through a storm, there's something waiting for you on the other side. If you'll just hold on, and you were confused because you thought the storm meant that Jesus had left you, but in this passage, the storm means he's on his way. He's en route. And so if you're in a storm right now or, or one pops up on Tuesday morning, I want you to know that the storm is a sign that grace is on the way. Because Scripture says the storm came up suddenly. The moment Jesus started moving in the direction of this man, there came a storm, not because God wasn't with him, but because he was headed in that direction. And so if that's true, listen to me. If what I just said is true, if, 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 the, if there's a storm and it proves something, listen to me, nobody attacks what isn't valuable. You, you don't attack something that, that doesn't have value or worth. I promise you, I know that you are important. And, and here's, what I, here's what I know can happen. I, I came in today a little bit worried that there would be some of us who wouldn't, who wouldn't stick with this, who would, wouldn't stay in this message, because I know we read in Mark chapter 5, and we get to this man that we read about was, was living in the tombs, and he's cutting himself with rocks. And some of you right there in that moment, you began to disconnect and disassociate because you think, I've got some problems, but, but it ain't that bad. 
Like you, you disconnect and you like the part about the disciples going through a storm and Jesus being thankful, but, but you're thinking to yourself, I'm not legion. But really? Are, are you so sure? Because it's said that he lived among the tombs. So you, you don't go to dead places? Are, are you sure? Are, are you sure this, this isn't you? Because it, it might have a different demonstration, but it's the same dynamic. Because they would chain him up, and he would break the chains, and they couldn't hold him, and he would hurt himself. So are you telling me there's no area of your life where you're out of control? And perhaps you're a little bit like me, and you've read this story, and maybe the first time you read it, you position yourself like Jesus, and you begin to think, who do I, what, what desperate person do I need to go help? But what I discovered as I read this story a little bit more, I found out that I'm more like the man at the tombs, and perhaps I have a little bit of legion in me, and I'm not talking about demonic possession, but what I mean is oppression, that, that I have some chains. And can I tell you the most freeing thing that I discovered about you? Yes, you. All y'all are crazy. True story. Because but I, I used to have this thought that, that, and this tendency that, that I, I can't preach of, from or about my own dysfunction or, or my genuine struggles because all y'all have your acts together and you're not going to listen to somebody who's crazier than you. And that's a dangerous place to be. But here's what I discovered. I have seen and know some of the most put-together people on the surface. When, when we look at them from, from a distance, you would think that they're the most put-together people, but, they are the, but, but they're the most depressed, most stressed, most full of anxiety, marriages falling apart. And once I figured out that all y'all are crazy, there was a freedom in me to preach the Bible for what's in there. Once I realized that some of y'all are out of control in your spending or, or in your sexuality. Listen, if I kept going, I could make the list long enough. I'd clear out the whole online platform from any self-righteousness. We'd have zero viewers dare me to do it. Because once I stop, stop talking about stuff you can see, uh, I, I could move over to gossip. Some of y'all can't stop talking about other people. See, look what you did. You made me do it. I told you all are crazy. Jesus knew this man was crazy when, when he got into the boat, but that didn't stop him from coming. And that got me excited because I figured if he knew about my issues too, that, that I am a legion is 6,000 foot soldiers. That's a lot of demons. Jesus says, what is your name? You know my name, but do you know yours? Or do you have so many different personas? Because we all have a little bit of legion. We've all got a little bit of many me's. Because listen, there's an online you. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a Sunday morning you, and that's the, that's the you that I usually get to see. But then I found out there's a Friday night you. There, there, there's a you that only your spouse knows. There's a you that only you know. You don't cut yourself with stones, but sometimes you inflict, inflict pain on yourself, and you can't stop. And you don't know why you keep pushing people away, but you've been living among the tombs so long. Somebody's tomb is dead. 
Somebody's tomb is pornography. Somebody's tomb is an addiction that if we named it right now, you'd think surely that person wouldn't come to church. But you'd be surprised how quick demons will run to Jesus. And so those demons run before Jesus, fall, and they say, hey, don't make us leave. We've got it really good here. We, we got all these people on lockdown, but they knew that this man was important to Jesus, and they knew that they were going to have to vacate the premises of his personality and of his psychology, and they knew someone strong enough had finally shown up who could, who could subdue them. And so when, you're, when you've tried everything else and you've talked to everyone else and the addiction won't let go, I just want to declare to you today that in Jesus' name, you are in the presence of a greater grace. And what works couldn't do, what the law couldn't do, what chains can't do, what shackles couldn't do, Jesus is about to do in your life. Grace can do what chains can't. So now we get to the pigs. We haven't even gotten there. This is the most important part. We haven't even gotten there. And so I'm beginning to wonder why. Why in the world would demons want to get into these pigs? And on the surface, I I understand that the devil never wants to give up any ground. Because you understand that once he's established a foothold, some of y'all don't even believe in the devil. But once he's established a foothold, he doesn't... He does not want you to be the first in your family to not need a drink to feel good about yourself. He he doesn't want you to be the first in your family to be able to stay stable in a relationship instead of running. He wants to stand guard. And listen, it's a brilliant strategy. I got to give a little bit of credit to these demons because they're smarter than a whole lot of us church people. They know how to get into formation. They know how to accomplish a purpose. They know how to discern what's valuable. Now, right now, this is it. Stay with me. Don't check out. Lean in. We're on to something. The word you resist is the word that you need. Lean in. So Jesus says, hey, you got to go. You got to let that man go. I went through the storm to get to him. I went through the thunder. I went through the lightning to get to this man. I came two hours across the sea. I've only got three years to get this thing going. I've got to get to him. I know everyone else wants nothing to do with him. But I, can I just say something really quick? If he went through the storm for this man and he went to the cross for you, how important must you be? So Jesus says, okay, you can go into the pigs. And they go into the pigs, and they make the pigs drown. Now, the demons know two things. Number one, pigs can't swim. We already knew that. So what do they know that we don't? I think what they understood was that the people in this region cared more about the pigs than they did about the man. Because this is 2,000 pigs. It's It's a significant part of the portfolio of these pig owners. This is a region known for raising pigs. So what does the enemy attack? Whatever you value the most. And trust me, he knows what you value. And he knows how to hit you where it hurts. That's why he'll use people to get to your relationship with Jesus because he knows what's most valuable is your relationship with Jesus but he knows if he can get people to offend you you will do what these people did and you'll send Jesus away because you were offended by people he knows where to hit you he knows what your insecurities are he knows the playlist going on in your head 
He knows what he's saying to yourself about yourself, your proclivities, your perversions. He knows what makes you feel ashamed. And so he'll hit you there to make you lash out in anger. He knows how to keep you bound. And since he couldn't stay in the man, he went into the pigs. If I kill the pigs, they'll send Jesus away. The enemy will use whatever he can to get to your faith. What he's after is your relationship with Jesus, but he'll use pigs to get you to push away the presence of Jesus. He knows exactly where you're vulnerable. And guess where you're most vulnerable? Wherever you place the greatest value. These pigs were worth about $2 million in today's currency. So if I can get into the pigs and I can make them drown, these people will be so afraid because they lost their pigs that they'll send Jesus away. I wonder where the enemy has attacked you. I bet it was in the, in the place of your greatest value. But guess what? I got good news today. The devil will only attack what's valuable. So if he's attacked you lately, that means there's something going on inside of you. The devil knows your destiny better than you do. There must be something on your life. There must be something that's gonna break. Some of y'all are gonna be breaking generational curses and you don't even know it. And that's why it's been so hard. And that's why it's been so strong. And that's why it's been so dark because you are so strong and you are so positioned. You are so important to his purpose. You must be important because the devil wouldn't tie you up if he wasn't afraid of what would happen if you got loose. You thought the storm meant that Jesus left. Instead, it means that he's on the way. You thought that shackles meant that I couldn't be used. I found out that the shackles meant that Jesus is looking for somebody who knows how to break chains. And I just wonder if there's any chain breakers watching today. If you're a chain breaker and you know it, you've been through some things and you've got some issues. Maybe you forgot who you were for the moment, but in the presence of Jesus today, you're starting to remember, I am a child of God. I am a chain breaker. Take a quick moment right now and give Jesus your best and your greatest praise because you are a child of God. You are loved. You are cherished. You are beloved. You are his own. Praise him for what is waiting on the other Use a voice of triumph and lift up the name of Jesus right now. I am a chain breaker. You must be important. He threw you in the fire so that Nebuchadnezzar would know who he is. He put you in the den with the lions so he could shut those lions' mouths and demonstrate his strength. He drowned all those horses in the Red Sea so the nation would know that he is God. You must be important. This man was so important that Jesus went through the storm to get him. And you're so important that Jesus went through Gethsemane to get to you. He passed through all of eternity to come to you. Don't you ever again let the devil tell you someone else should be raising your kids. Don't you ever again let the devil tell you that somebody else should be in that spot. Don't you ever.
And the next time a storm shows up, the next time a storm is on the horizon, you look at it and you tell it to pass on by. Because you know there's something great waiting on the other side. And in my Bible, it says something strange. Everybody, wherever you are right now, stand to your feet. Come on, come on, get to your feet right now. My Bible says something strange. It says that when Jesus set the man free, the man went down and got into the boat. Because he was like, you ain't leaving me here with these people. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. I, I didn't read it before. I was saving it for now. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And I love the contrast here because the, the demons are like, don't make me leave. And this man is like, don't make me stay. And it's exciting and exhilarating to want to step into something new. And now this man, he's in his right mind. He's grateful. He's amazed. And he wants to be on Jesus' team like, I'm coming with you. But something happens. Because we read in Mark chapter 2 that Jesus called his disciples to leave what they know and to come and follow him. And he says, I'm going to... I'm gonna show you how to do something new. And they had the faith to go, and it takes a lot of faith to leave a situation you're familiar with. But Jesus does something strange. He looked back at this man and said, you can't, you can't come with me. Jesus didn't let him leave, but said, I need you to go home to the same situation I delivered you in. I'm not gonna take you out of it because I took it out of you. I changed your condition, but I'm going to leave you in that circumstance because I need these people to know. Look, verse 19, Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. I want you to be a trophy. I want you to be a demonstration of my power and my presence and even greater than that verse 20 so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis that's 10 different cities how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed this man becomes a missionary Jesus said I need somebody crazy enough because when people see how much you've changed they're going to be amazed church this city has got to see some people who have been changed some lives turn around sometimes Jesus gives you the faith to go sometimes he gives you the grace to stay and they're both amazing some of y'all are in a difficult place and all you want to say to Jesus is take me and sometimes we're in these moments, we just want to escape. But Jesus says, I'll give you something better than the faith to go. I'm going to give you the grace to stay. You are so important. Because now this man, who wasn't even living with the people, becomes the first missionary to the Gentiles. He was the first one. Some of y'all are going to be the first, the first to break a chain. Your friends haven't done it. No family member has done it. People didn't think that you could. 
you didn't even think that you'd be able to. But in this moment, right now, you're discovering who you are. I thought that I was worthless and I believed it for years, but now I know he came all this way for me. And now I know that the enemy only attacks that which is valuable. Come on, I need some people who know that you're not just gonna survive the storm, that you're gonna come through it. And after you've come through it, and after you've broken off the chains, Jesus is gonna use you to be do something amazing. Come on, if you're a chain breaker and you're ready right now to do something, lift up your best and your loudest praise. I need some crazy people. I need some crazy people who are ready to stay and have grace for where Jesus is calling you to be. Right now, here's what I want to do. If you're not on your feet yet, you better get on your feet. Here's what I want to do in this moment. Wherever you are, just put your one hand, both hands, just put them up. Head bowed, hearts open in this moment. Here's what we're going to do, church. Some of y'all, you're walking through a storm. You got some chains that need to be broken. You got some deep-rooted things in your life, generational things, addictions you've been unable to break, broken relationships, anxiety, depression, worry, hopelessness. You've been walking around in brokenness for years, and today, listen to me, right now, Jesus has come all this way for you. Jesus went through the garden. Jesus went to the cross. He went to the grave. He was buried. He was resurrected. He rose again to come meet you. He's heard the cry of your heart. He's heard the deep things going on. He sees the chains. He sees the bondage. And he's here today to break it. So here's what I want to tell you right now. Hands lifted up, ready to receive it. Here's what I want you to do right now. If you're ready to receive it, just repeat after me. Jesus, I receive your freedom. I receive your grace. I want this chain broken. I want this addiction broken. I want you to give me the faith. I want you to give me the grace. I am a chain breaker. Come on, say it again in faith. I am a chain breaker. Come on, church. Receive that in Jesus' name. Today, you are a chain breaker. Here's what I want you to know. If you receive it in faith, there's strength and there's hope and there's power in Jesus' name. In fact, right now, if you're receiving that for the first time, believing that for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, there's going to be an opportunity right now for you to respond. Online, you can raise your hand. Listen, the worst thing you could do would be to be inspired 
to make a change and then do nothing else. So right now, all across Charlottesville, all across everywhere we are, if that's you today, just raise your hand. We want to connect with you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you find some next steps. We want to help you in your journey of faith with Jesus. We're praying and believing that even in this moment right now, even though we aren't in the same room, chains all across this city are being broken. Fear all across this city is falling off. Addiction all across this city is coming down. Fear, you have no place here, but we speak life, we speak hope, we speak salvation, we speak faith in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, it's so good to be with you. I wish we could do this all in the same room. And we will. But I've been so fired up the last, I don't know if you can tell. I've been so fired up the last couple of weeks. Jesus is just shifting and changing things in us, in our church. Listen, I I just want to encourage you, stay strong. Stay connected to him. Stay connected to his church. We may have to be physically distant, but we can stay connected spiritually with one another. Listen, join one of our virtual groups. Get into a virtual small group, stay connected. In fact, on Sundays, I forgot, I need to tell you, starting next week, first Sunday in May, we're gonna be offering this experience at 9.15 a.m. and 11 a.m. So two times every Sunday, we've got a live worship experience. Our hosts will be there to connect with you. So starting next Sunday, 9.15 a.m. and 11 a.m., you've got two opportunities to connect with us online each week. We're excited to do that, to be connected with you. Okay, here's what we're going to do to close. Same thing we do every week. We've got an opportunity for you to, to give your tithes and your offering, really to worship in our giving. Now listen, if you're new with us, we don't want anything from you. In fact, we hope that this online worship experience has been our gift to you. But if you call Skyline your home, listen, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. And there's two really easy ways you can give online. You can go to our website or through our app. You can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Now remember, when you are faithful, when you are consistent, when you are generous, this house, this local body, this local church is able to continue to be a movement of Jesus in our city. We're able to keep buying out food trucks. We're able to keep feeding people. We're able to pay other people's bills. We're able to buy groceries. We're able to be a blessing. We're able to make an impact on our city right where you are. So church, continue to be generous and to be faithful and to be consistent so that Jesus' house can be generous in our city. We love you. I just want to speak a blessing over you as we close our time together. If you can, just put your hands up and receive this. I pray right now in Jesus' name 
that his very presence would go before you, would surround you, his spirit would fill you and bring you peace, and that God would cause his good face to shine upon you and give you grace until we gather together again in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we love you. We'll see you next Sunday at 9.15 or 11 a.m. We love you. Have an amazing week.